0: We've been in Titus for the last couple of weeks and I want to turn your attention, if you will, to a little book in the New Testament called Titus and talk about church. What is a healthy church? We've been talking about uh, leadership specifically, but Titus turns his attention in chapter 2 to not just leadership, but to the entire church. In the Bible study over here that Jay leads we've seen how it's not just expectations of leaders, although that's important in 1 Timothy and Titus, it's also expectations for every lay person as well, right? And we have a certain, we have a certain goal in which God hopes that we attain. All too often I think we're quick to look at other people's life and say that's where they've got it wrong. It's much easier for me to see your sin in your life than it is for me to look at my own. Do you understand what I'm saying? Does that make sense? That's true for you as well. And so Paul turns to the church at large and says it's not just about leadership, Titus, although that's important when you set this foundation, when you put all things in order, what does it look like for these messed up, sinful individuals to come together and be one healthy church? That's not just a message for the churches on Crete, mind you. It's a, church, it's a message that affects the entire church, Big C, the church at large. And so I want to offer a couple of words to you from this letter that Paul writes to Titus about the general church, about our expectations moving forward. Words like deny, deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. Somebody said this morning, that's hard. And I would agree that's hard. And yet that's what Jesus called us to do, right? Deny myself and take up my cross and follow Jesus. That's what Jesus expects of me. That's He sets the standard. I don't. You don't. That's what God said. That's what Jesus said. In Philippians 2, Marianne just mentioned it to us when we began our worship this morning. In Philippians 2, Paul uses phrases like he became obedient to death. He emptied himself is what the text says. He emptied himself. He emptied. Emptied Himself. I'll chew on that for a minute. God, in the flesh, Jesus Christ, He emptied Himself. He gave up equality with God. as, as, as He came and lived among us. He, he showed us what it means to be a servant. Did He not? He showed us what it means to love. So when we talk about loving God, loving people, loving by going, when we talk about opportunities, what does that mean? In Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20, all of you will probably recognize this text. This is the text that we typically think of as the Great Commission, Jesus himself speaking, red letter edition. When they saw him, they worshiped Jesus, but some doubted. Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then the imperative, the command of go therefore, go therefore, go, go, go. Don't just gather. Don't just come to church on Sunday. Don't just open your Bible on Sunday or Wednesday or whenever you feel like it. Be all in. And Jesus showed us that he was all in, right? Go make converts. Is that what it says? That's not what it says. Go therefore and make disciples. What we will come back to that word, mathetes. What does it mean to be mathetes? What does it mean to be a disciple? What does it mean to follow? I'm I uh spent time with my kids, grateful. Uh, we were talking about that this morning of uh, just before Sunday school uh, and Kathy mentioned specifically how God is confirming what they're talking about on Sunday mornings. we don't talk before I don't know exactly where they're at when they're going through Bible study but she says she says the things you're talking about on Sunday morning are things we've already talked about that's a God thing or, or Jay's Bible study and I'm sure this is true for Larry's Bible study as well how God how God uses things and confirms teaching in our world. It's sometimes it's, it's just we miss it. I'm constantly amazed at how God is working. Constantly amazed at how God is continuing to offer us grace and, and, and what I think is revelation. God reaching out to us for relationship. God reaching out to us for relationship. God reaching out to us for relationship. Because when He stops reaching out to us for relationship, we're in trouble. All too often, I don't reach up for relationship, and you don't reach up for relationship. You know what I'm talking about? mathetes what does it mean to follow? What does it mean to deny yourself? What does it mean to take up your cross? What does it mean to do, what does it mean to empty yourself? I, I would say it's, and you'd have to agree with me, I think, on this, that it's contrary to what the world says today. The world doesn't say empty yourself, does it? The world says fill yourself up. The world says, don't give anything away. Gather stuff and gather stuff and gather stuff and then you'll really be, expe- you'll be really respected in the world, right? Or, or get a blue ribbon or get a blue ribbon or get a blue ribbon. Be acknowledged. That's what the world says. And Jesus, God in the flesh, says, deny yourself. What does that mean? What does it mean to follow Jesus? A simple command and yet it's a difficult command. When he says, go and make disciples, methetes, what does that mean? Make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We've got that baptism thing down, don't we? At least to a certain extent. We think that we walk down the aisle, we say a few words, we get in the baptistry and we can check that off, right? We've done that. Have we? I think baptism, hear me this, hear Listen, baptism is more than getting wet. We've convinced ourselves, church, that if we just say a few words and we get wet, then we've done as God wants us to do. But prior to that baptizing them, he says, make them disciples. We've missed that part of it. We're, we're on to the next person. We're on to the next baptism. And we're on to something that we think is greater. Jesus himself said, make them followers. Or Paul later on, if you're a follower of Paul, if you're a fan of Paul, Paul says, follow me, but don't just follow me. Follow me as I follow Christ. Do you hear what he's saying? The origin, the, the, the beginning, the standard is not with Paul. The standard is with Jesus Christ. Paul would be the first to admit that. So I, I wonder sometimes if we have put the cart before the horse. When Jesus says, make disciples, may they taste. What does he mean? Baptizing them. Yes, that's important. Teaching them. That's what Paul is telling Titus on the island of Crete. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And listen, You are not alone. Anything that takes, anything that is owned, anything that sinks in, you understand the illustrations? Anything that is absorbed is not because I say it. It's not because you're intellectually above everybody else. Anything that is good that we take into our life comes by way of the grace of God and comes by way of the Holy Spirit. Right? And the good news is that Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God does not leave us alone. So it's all possible based upon what God says is possible. Now you found Titus too, I hope, by by now. Um, if you don't remember and, and if you haven't been with us the last couple of weeks, no big deal. Let me let me share with you just what we've been talking about. There's this little island called Crete over by Greece, and and Paul has Seen these churches spring up, and and the problems with churches that spring up that are immature in the faith that that are not really doing as God intended is they have a lot of chaos going on, right? Even in the church, it's not just the world; it's the the world that infiltrates the church. It's the world who influences the church, and so in this these churches, Paul leaves this young man named Titus, and he says, "Here is what I want you to do, Titus. Your your commission, your 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 orders, if you are a past service, uh, uh, you know, of Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines. Here's your orders. Here's your marching orders, Titus. He says, I want you to establish some order in the church. That's number one. Number two, I want you to appoint elders. That's bishops. That's presbyters. That's what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. Now, why is all this important? It's important because Paul says, if you don't establish order, guess what happens? Chaos reigns, even in the church. Number two, if you don't establish shepherds or presbyters or elders, then there's all kinds of problems that goes on as we're, we're so influenced by the, the church. Remember what Jesus said here? Don't be disciples of the church, but make disciples of the church. You hear the difference? Influence the church rather than be influenced by the church, by the, by the world. Influence the world rather than letting the world influence us. Okay? You hear what I'm saying? And so in Titus chapter 2, he talks about this false doctrine, he talks about the importance of sound doctrine, and listen to what he says. But as for you, here's what makes you different than the rest of the world, but as for you, teach what accords with sound... You know in our world, there's so many things that sound true. Right? I, I've shared on Wednesday night with some of us that gather here, um, the, best way I think about, the best way I think about what it means to be evil or wicked, what does it mean to be evil or wicked? The best way I, I can think about that, and I, I hope to encourage you to think about this, evil or wickedness is just manipulation of truth. You hear what I'm saying? It's one little twist of truth and it becomes evil. Did God really say? That's where it becomes evil. Wickedness is any little twist, manipulation of truth, and it becomes wicked, it becomes evil. And so when Paul tells Titus, it's not just doctrine, there's all kinds of doctrine floating out there. There's all kinds of noise in our world that's out there, right? And all these things are hoping for our attention. They're begging for our attention. And guess what, church? There are many people that buy into that. The warm, fuzzy feeling, right? It's all about emotions. I want to turn just one page over in my Bible, probably one page over in your Bible as well, but in 2 Timothy chapter 4, it says, For the time is coming... This is 2 Timothy 4, verse 3. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Ha, ha, ha. If you're you're about suiting your own passions, do you really need a teacher? You, You don't need a teacher, right? You don't need anybody to confirm what you're doing. You think that's true? It's not just for a time is coming, but I would offer to you in 2018, a time is now. We we have we have groups of people that call themselves church and they just they preach a foreign gospel. They've allowed as the churches in Crete, they've allowed the world to influence the the groups of believers. And they don't speak about sin, they don't speak about hell, they don't speak about consequences, they don't speak about responsibility. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus Christ? What does it mean to be a methetes? What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? It's more than getting wet. Paul says they will turn away from listening to the truth. They will wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. That's not warm and fuzzy, is it? Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. In other words, what he's saying is, here's your responsibility, Titus. Now, what does that mean for you? What does that mean for the church in general? Listen to what it says back in Titus chapter 2. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men, how many of you are older? I I used to say, you know, I I used to define what older is. I'm not going to do that anymore, right? That's changed over the years. I had to be honest with you, right? I used to think older is, what's an older man? Not 60, not 50, not, you know, you know what I'm saying. Before we start putting numbers on older men, I think we ought to be talking about maturity. You can be 80 years old and be the most immature person in here, right? You can be 20 years old, Timothy. You can be green behind the ears. You can be be wet, wet, wet and be the most mature person in the group. What Paul tells Timothy, don't let anybody consider your youth. Don't let anybody look down upon your youth. It's all about maturity, right? So don't think of age. Think of maturity, right? So listen to what he lays out here here's your responsibility right it's more than just walking down the aisle it's more than saying a few words it's more than getting wet that's that's good things to do now what older men are to be sober-minded dignified self-controlled sound in faith in love and steadfastness that's verse two if you consider yourself to be a mature Christian, you might ask people around you, I think I'm a mature Christian. Because the mirror sometimes lies, right? Right? I mean, I can, I can convince myself of a lot of things when I stand before the mirror. I think I'm mature, but unless you have a spouse that says, you know what? You're mature. Or... If you have somebody that tells you the truth and says, you know what, you've been around the church for 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, you ought to be much further ahead than what you are. We don't like to hear that, right? Like Jack Nicholson said, we talked about it a couple weeks ago, you can't handle the truth. You don't like the truth. That's a pretty, if you think yourself as mature, you you ought to look at verse 2 and pray through that verse. Sober-minded means focused. Dignified means respected. Self-controlled means you don't go off and do things. All too often I go off and do something and think, "Uh uh-oh, I shouldn't it. Self-controlled. Sound in faith. Do you know what the faith is? Do you love like no one else? Steadfastness. Are you persevering in your faith? Before you use the elbow, now here's the mature women. Verse 3. Older women, mature women are likewise to be reverent in behavior. Not slanderers. Slaves to too much wine. Not on the phone, politicking, gossiping. They're to teach what is good, to teach even women. That's what it says here. They're to teach what is good, to train the young women to love their husbands and children. Oh, I know they're hard to love. I know they're hard to understand. That goes both ways, right? Women are hard to understand. Men are hard to understand. I understand that. But remember what Jesus did? He emptied himself. He put himself aside. Several years ago, there was a book that came out. And some of you probably have seen the videos or trailers. Um, the whole point of the book is to show you that you should not be first. It was called, I Am Second. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So however you serve, whatever it is you do in that 1 Corinthians 12 text, when God, when God gives you with something, you always recognize it's all about service. I use this gift, whatever God has given me with, uh, gifted me with, for the glory of God, not to be acknowledged, but so that God would be honored, so that God would be glorified, so the gospel will be preached. You see that over and over and over again throughout the New Testament, right? The Old Testament says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. If you humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, what happens? He will lift you up if you know that. If you don't humble yourself, what happens? He will humble you. It's probably a good idea to humble yourself. Train up the young women to love and the, their husbands and their children, to be self-controlled, to be pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands. Now, don't think for a second. Now, remember, Paul is talking to the context of what he's talking about. The ancient Near East is much different than 2018. He's not minimizing the gifts of the women. What he's saying is, much like he says in 1 Corinthians 12, write that down if you're taking notes, 1 Corinthians 12 talks about spiritual gifts, both men, women, even children, mature. Mature people have been given gifts, right? And you use those gifts for God's glory, for God's honor. So don't don't try to use this as a proof text. Say, well, there it is, women can't teach, or there it is, women can't do anything outside of the home. That's not what Paul's saying at all. Likewise, he says in verse 6, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. In your teaching, show integrity, dignity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame. We talked about hypocrisy this morning. So that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. This is not just the church. Now he's going to talk about servants. Now he's going to talk about employers, employee relationships. Bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. In everything, you're to empty yourself. You're to consider yourself a servant. You're to be well pleasing, not argumentative. How many of you would? Don't raise your hands. Well, oh, I'm just wired that way. We rationalize our sin. How many of you would have to look in the mirror, don't raise your hand, would have to say, you know what, I'm arguing. I'm stubborn. It's all about me. I think if we took a poll, we're not going to take a poll because we really, we really feel bad if we took a poll. If we took a poll, 90% of us would say, it's all about me. And the other 10% would be lying because it really is all about us. We are sinners. We like control. And Paul is telling Titus here, you have to understand what means to be servant is to give up control. We see that in Philippians. I'll show you another text here in a second. It's much like that. Not argumentative, not pilfering, not, not stealing, not thievery, Right? you believe god has your has your why do we pray we believe that god can take care of those things right we believe by faith whereas the world may steal time they may steal money they may they steal possessions they steal all these things and yet paul is reminding titus hey there's going to be some times of struggle here but I believe there's going to be employers you work with that don't give you your fair due whatever that means but believe god has it handled so that everything they may adorn the doctrine of god our savior now what what what's all this about whether it's older men whether it's older women whether it's bond servants across the board all of us listen here's verse 11 Look at it if you have the Bible open in front of you. If you don't have the Bible open in front of you, get one for next week or we'll provide you one. Look what he's saying in Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Here's the reason we do these things. Titus, here's the reason we do these things. Hillcrest, here's the reason you need to remind yourself of why you do these things when you're standing in front of the mirror and Satan is trying to divert your attention, it's for training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in the present age. That is the key to everything that we do. It's not just walking down the aisle, saying a few words and getting wet. It's turning, it's repenting from your old way of life. Remember, buried with Christ in baptism, risen to walk just like I was walking. No, Risen to walk in a newness of life. Anything less than that is not the gospel. We have a responsibility. Let me show you something real quick. I want you to think of these... I want you to think of these as a journey. When we come to Christ, the Bible says we justify this person has walked the aisle, has said whatever is required to say, whether you call that a sinner's prayer or I believe that Jesus is the Christ, Son of the living God, I want to make Him the Lord of my life. The Bible says if you believe that, not only with your head, but also with your heart, and belief is by action. It's not just here. That you've been justified. That word justified is a legal term that means not guilty. You've been considered not guilt watch nee, a chinese theologian used to say it's when god looks upon you now he doesn't look upon your sin he looks upon the blood of jesus christ who covers your sin right that's what it means to be justified i mean look at romans chapter 5 when paul says oh man the, the, the sin of one man referring to adam that sin permeates all of us or leads us to that that problem of living and yet Jesus Christ died for all sin, right? This is what it means to be justified. This is this is a true picture of service and love. But this is definitely not where the journey ends, right? Paul says Paul says you need to you need to grow. You don't need to stay there. Some of you have been around the church for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, 60 years. 70 years, and you're still sitting right here. How can you love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, if you're still sitting here? This is where it begins, but this is not where it ends. That's where it begins, but that's not where it ends. This is discipleship. This is methetes. Make disciples come follow me, take up your cross, all, deny yourself, all those things. And so you grow. This is what we call just justification, this is what we call sanctification. This is where you start living that godly life of doing the things he talks about in Titus chapter 2, 11 and 12, right? It's more than just Sunday morning attendance, it's more than just attending a Bible study. It's living the Christian life putting one foot in front of the other. It's encouraging people that those opportunities we talk about, whether it's Samaritan Inn, whether it's Cooks and Hills, whether it's the checkout clerk at Kroger, whether it's a bookstore, wherever it happens to be, where it's your neighbor across your back fence, there's something that God is showing you. That's when we pray for spiritual ears. That's when we pray for spiritual eyes, so that God would show us, that God would speak to us, that when He does those things that we hear Him, This is what we call sanctification. This is a process. It doesn't happen overnight. It's a process. Paul says, I must crucify myself what? Daily, because it's a process, right? It's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. It's a process. I I want you to note that this person is farther ahead than this person, but he still hasn't arrived. He He still is not to the end of the journey. There is no giving up. There is no, I've done my time. I spent 30 years in the nursery. I'm not going to do it anymore. That's not the gospel. Being a follower of Jesus Christ means I go from here to here to here to here. It's a process. This is sanctification. There's some of you that are older men, older women, Paul would define as older men, mature men, mature women. Don't think you've arrived. In fact, the first part of maturity is understanding you haven't arrived. It's humility, right? If you still have that pride and arrogance in your life, if you still struggle with those things, please acknowledge those things aren't from God. Don't rationalize your pride and arrogance and call it confidence. You need to be confident, but not in your own ability. You need to be confident in what Jesus Christ can do through you. This is still part of sanctification. This is still what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. This is more than just Sunday attendance. It's more than Wednesday attendance. It's more than being faithful when we share a meal. These people mentor these people. Let me show you what it means to be mature. These people take these people under their wings. These people say, come, come and go with me as I follow Jesus Christ. You, you get the idea? Yes? No? Don't just say no. yes if you really don't get it. This is a process. This is a journey. This is growing up, right? You, you can't remain on the bottle. You've got to get to spiritual meat. You've got to get to something that's deeper. You can't do that one hour a week on Sundays. So it's justification sanctification process process by the way nobody's here this is Jesus this is glorification the Bible tells us we will not be glorified we will not be like Jesus until he comes back and receives the church in the meantime you're at one of these three places Lord willing this is part of the journey if, you're, if you haven't ever been baptized, we need to talk about that first. But this, this process of sanctification, this, this growing up, this growing up, this growing up, this growing up is healthy. You cannot stay back there and call yourself a follower of Jesus. Take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. paul tells titus that's the whole reason that he's writing to establish the churches to 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 get the church to understand that it's about responsibility it's not just about consumerism it's just not about receiving we live in a world that's all about consumeristic things right Get, get 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 i never give 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 and that's why the gospel is so contrary it's Paul would tell the Corinthians, right, that the cross is foolishness. Training us to renounce, training us to renounce ungodliness, worldly passions, to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in the present age. Now, some of you are already thinking, my gosh, the mashed potatoes smell so good. The roast is at home, burning. So let me share with you one more one more text. Then I'll pray. Great crowds accompanied Jesus. Great crowds. Lots of people turned up to see what Jesus was doing. Maybe lots of people on Sunday morning. I don't know but he turned and said to them if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes even his own life he cannot he cannot be my he cannot be my disciple wait a minute wait a minute Jesus I've got to give up everything to live. He says, I've got to deny myself. I've got to empty myself. I've got to do everything contrary to what the world says. That's what it says. Well, it's hard for me. It's probably hard for you to gather your mind around this text where the crowd. I thought Jesus came to gather crowds. He did. But let's make sure we're doing the right thing. Let's make sure that we're not just gathering to see the next show. Whoever does not bear his own cross, no one can bear it for you. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my methetes, my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost? Whether he has enough to complete it, otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to make fun of him. They begin to make make a game with him, they begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he's able with 10,000 men to come to him or come against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is a great way off, he's smart enough to send a delegation and ask for terms of peace. Therefore, listen, if any one of you does not renounce all that he has, he cannot be my disciple. I think Jesus would say, if anyone has equated just walking down the aisle, saying a few words and getting wet, you're not his disciple. If, if you're still back there, you need to get up here. If you're still just going through the motions... You need to figure out how to move forward and stop just going through the motions. Again, it's about training for ungodliness. It's understanding responsibility. It's going against the grain. The world says this, but the gospel says something totally different. Let's pray.